One, two, one, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, where the show that's figured out if you ask people to pick just three songs that will always revive a memory for them, you can get them talking like there isn't even a microphone in front of them. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Eddie Kopp. Eddie's a self-taught drummer and filmmaker who has managed to create a career from both of his passions. He's the founder and director for the Sugar Shack Music Channel, where both his love for music and cinematography come to life. He says his time in the Air Force helped him develop the leadership skills and self-motivation needed to build a successful business. He and his Sugar Shack team have built a music discovery platform that showcases artists, both local and global, all based on his dream of creating community. After a decade of bringing people together around live music, which he and his team immaculately film and produce in a remarkably chill and groovy space in Bonita Springs, it's actually his house and its porch, they recently broke ground on their new live music restaurant concept just down the road with plans to expand to other music cities around the country and world. I was going to say good morning, Eddie, but it's good afternoon. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Happy December. Yeah, December 1st. It is December. On a Friday. Can you believe it? Not really. <laughs> um, a, first of all, just so enjoyed the other night. I know mm. we'll talk more about Sugar Shack. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, the other night was a little magical slice of, of my life for some, you know, it was great. It was very special. Every session is uh, special in some way. Excited to have all y'all. Yeah, that was so cool. Um, so where did you grow up and how would you describe the musical background of your childhood? Well, I was born in Iowa. Um, that's where my parents are from and my grandparents. Um, but I think I was only a month or two old. I'm, I was very little when we moved to California. My dad got a job and I was raised there till I was about 10 or 11. And then we moved back to Iowa. So California is where I was, uh, I was raised. Where Southern, in California? Southern California. He got a job in Newport Beach, but we ended up in Lake Elsinore, California. What was uh, happening around you musically? Like what were your family's stylings, that sort of thing? Yeah, music uh, was always a big part of our family. Um, not necessarily playing instruments, but just having music in the house and driving and singing. And my mom was in the church choir and things like that. Um, but my parents always encouraged me to play music, always had a natural knack for it. And, um, you know, ultimately... I ended up teaching myself how to play drums, but, you know, I think uh, in fifth grade, I joined band class mm. and started playing trumpet, and uh, that definitely just unlocked a whole new world of my life. What kind of music were your parents exposing you to before you had a choice to expose yourself to music? Yeah, it was um, the Eagles, country country, and maybe, you know, classic rock, uh, kind of the classics, Um yeah, I, I still have a love for both of those musics, and um, country is part of every day of my life now. Yeah, and even like modern pop country, like the yeah, stuff I love that's it. coming right out. I love it. Cool. Yeah, I love all kinds of country, all the new outlaw country, modern country. I like it all. And then, uh, yeah, I still love the Eagles and Steve Miller Band and, mm. you know, all those old classic rock bands. Is, I remember driving in the truck with my dad, and uh, my dad was a uh, race motocross growing up, so... Uh, we were always in the truck rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first music that you owned that you could hold in your hand? Oh, man, that I could hold in my hand? I don't even know if I can recall. No. I've, been asked, I've been asked that question before. It's like, what was your first You didn't CD? get like a cassette or a CD or I don't know how you were old enough for cassettes, but you never even got a CD for Christmas I mean, or something? I used to record cassettes on the radio myself. Okay. I, I, I did do that. Um, so maybe that, maybe it was my own little mixes. Um, but we, I think... You know, I was part of that. Uh, I was in the generation where computers started coming into people's lives uh-huh. and in their homes. Uh-huh. So I jumped on that Napster train and started making my own albums right away and uh, getting viruses on the family computer right yeah. away. LimeWire had exactly. a lot of viruses. I can remember exactly where I was on the campus of FGCU when this guy walked up to me. He said, man, have you heard of this thing called Napster? And I really? was like, Napster? What is that? Yeah. He described it to me and then the rabbit hole opened. Yeah, that would change my life for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember my first. I know I don't remember my first album or CD. It's weird. Well, what's you the, know, uh, what's the oldest one you do remember? The oldest one I do remember. I don't know. I feel like we listened to a lot of radio growing up. Yeah, and 
You know, I don't really remember ever buying music or even like going to concerts until I was, you know, a teenager, until I had a little bit of independence. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the radio was just a big part of my life. Do you remember the first music that you saw performed live that wasn't you like your mom in choir, but a band of some kind? Yeah, it was Brooks and Dunn. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were at a, at least that's the first I can remember. We were at Knott's Berry Farm, a theme park in California. And I don't know, they had some kind of event going on and Brooks and Dunn was playing and did I you did. know who they were? I did, yeah. I knew wow. all the words. I knew I was, was like, was it like 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 magical? Like it was. those look at those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was very little and I remember singing like Boo Scoot and Boogie. <laughs> was the drums the first instrument that you took a crack at or or not? I started band class in 5th grade and they put me on trumpet. I didn't have an option. Um and then I played trumpet and baritone for 3 years. Yeah. Four years. I, I stuck with band through middle school and then went to high school. We moved to Florida when in my right before ninth grade for me. And I, I jumped back into band in Florida and um, they wanted to keep me on trumpet, but I just wanted to play drums. And uh, they wouldn't let me play drums. You know, it's in, in especially in middle school and high school, it's hard to be the drummer. You yeah. know what I mean? Like all the kids want to play drums and you're like, no, you're going to be the seventh trombone. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. And I was like the seventh <laughs> trumpet. Exactly. And uh, But I always was naturally drawn to drums and I knew that like I had it in me that I could play drums. And, uh, you know, the many band teachers I had just never gave me a shot at it or someone always got there before me and um, – you know, it got to high school and I'm like, I'm done with band. I'm just going to buy my own drums and, and, and teach myself. And that's exactly what I did. And I, I was one of those people that sat at a drum set and I could use all four limbs individually and I could just play a beat and I play a groove. So, um, you know, I just always had a natural knack for drums and, and, uh, you know, drums of learning the drums and teaching myself has just completely changed my life. If we brought a trumpet into this studio right now, how could you do I could play a little bit. I could read some music too. I could yeah. do it. Yeah, I got one scale. <laughs> I can think about it right now. You don't own a trumpet anymore though, do you? No. No. I, I wish I would have kept one though. <laughs> I feel like now I would use it. You need to get one now. Find yeah. one at a pawn shop. Just I do. Come out during Sugar Shack and... <laughs> <laughs> I already make enough noise. My neighbors, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they like me blowing on a trumpet every day too. We'll get to your neighbors and noise because yeah. I've got some questions. Cool. Let's do your first song though. Let's do it. This is the uh, the starting line song. Yes, sir. You want to listen to it? Or you want to tell a story? Uh, let's listen to it. All right. This is Eddie Cop's first song today on Three Song Stories. This is the best of me by the Starting Line from their 2002 album. Say it like you mean it. Throwback. I I previously said I taught myself drums, and um, I just saved my money. I didn't have. I would think I was 15, 14. I didn't have much money at all. Bought my own drum set. And then I just started listening to, you know, the classic rock and the country and those kinds of things that I grew up on listening to drums and and just had headphones on every single day after school and just beating the hell out of my drums. And uh, and one day I came home and um, that music video for that song was on the TV and I had caught it right at the beginning and I just could not look away. And I feel like I it was kind of my first um, exposure to like that almost that sort of music too like I, it, was, it was new to me and um just you know i learned the drums by listening and seeing that drummer on a music video play the drums that the way he was doing i was like i've been i have a whole new world of drums that i need to go listen or need to go try to do and you know for a pop punk song that song has a lot of uh dynamics and um that the quick three, four minutes just taught me so much. And I learned that song note for note on the drums. And, you know, from there, just opened the door to all this pop punk. And, you know, those, that that genre is kind of making a comeback now. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that song just opened the door to so much new music for me. And so early on in, like, my world of drums that, you know, I, I owe a lot to that song. And I remember sitting in front of the TV coming home from, I think it was 10th grade at that point. Um, and just staring at it. It was almost like a music video in itself, me staring at this TV and watching this drummer just studying every hit. And Because um, that video has a lot of performance scenes in it. Mm-hmm. So you can just study. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, that song has always been very special to me for some reason. Out of all that, because, you know, I took a deep dive into pop punk and all that kind of stuff, that emo stuff when, when that happened. And for some reason, that song is very special. How many times do you figure you played it over and over 
there at the beginning. Oh man, at least dozens, hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, hundred, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being that new and had I had no instructor, no teaching, no nothing. I, you know, it was just on repeat. So my parents put up with it though in my bedroom. I don't. I I owe it to my parents for sure. They cover the walls with pillows or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> I shared a room with my little brother too. So uh, I was always making noise after school. Huh. How long till you were you know playing the drums with other people? Um, church was the first opportunity at that. Um, we were going to church every Sunday uh, at that time in my life, and there was one Sunday where um, there was a woman that played the drums. It was it was a church that had a, a band mm-hmm. that led the tr- led the services, and um, they made an announcement that the drummer was leaving for college, and um, that the spot would be open to anybody in the congregation that would want to try drums. And my mom nudged me. And I was like, I just learned drum. Like, I'm just starting. I can't play in front of people. I haven't even heard the best of me yet, yeah, mom. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and uh, and so somehow my mom talked me into taking that chance and trying that. And it ended up being the best decision I'd ever made that early because John, the um, the the director of the band, was the singer and, and guitarist. He was a drummer first. And he just took me under his wing and taught me so many fundamentals and – you know, he even like gifted me cymbals and a snare drum, I think. And like really just, I don't know, he, I think he saw that I had what it takes, you know, just from the fundamental level mm-hmm. and the basics that he just kind of, he taught me everything from the, from the beginning. And it was amazing. And, you know, I was playing in front of a church, you know, maybe two weeks after that mm. <laughs> playing, you know, I you only play a handful of songs in that situation. You're but, in the back of the band. Yeah. I'm behind like a big plastic guard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little isolation moment yeah. for you. Playing um, way too soft. When you guys moved to Florida, where did was it here, southwest Florida? Inglewood. Inglewood. Inglewood, okay. Florida. Yep. It's up north somewhere. Yeah, it's about an hour and 15 minutes north. It's like uh, near Sarasota? Yep, just south of it. Huh. Yeah. Um, so in high school, where did you fit into the scene? Were you, um, were you, did you have a band that wasn't the church band? Like, were, what was your vibe yeah. in high so, school? So church got me comfy and playing with other musicians and timing and dynamics and things like that. So yeah, I immediately after that was, you know, broke the seal and started trying out punk bands and, um, playing with buddies in school. And I think we had like a Taken Back Sunday cover band for a while, um, you know, hitting the drums way too hard and, and making my first hands bleed. First band that had a name, and what was it called? First band that had a name was South McCall. South McCall. Yeah. Is that named after a street? It is, yeah. <laughs> Classic, right? <laughs> uh, did you do any other arts in high school? Did you do, like, uh, theater? You said you didn't do band-band. Did you do anything else artistic in high school, or did you do, like, sports or anything like that? Yeah, I did sports. I tried all the sports. I ended up with soccer. Um, but I was always a creative, um, even growing up, my, both of my parents are entrepreneurs and creatives. Um, so, I, you know, creativity and expressing ourselves and, you know, whether that I wanted to be an architect for a long time, want to be a cartoonist for a long time. And so I was always drawing or doodling and making like comic books and, um, things like that. So I, I always had that creative in me and, uh, I feel like music is where I landed and, you know, where I want to be for the rest of my life. When did you start taking pictures and or shooting video? Um, in college. Okay, so it wasn't until college? Yeah, it was actually here at FGCU. Oh, so yeah. in high school, though, that wasn't even really a thing for you? Uh, not really. Uh, drums was my focus and sports and, and, you know, socializing and my friends and things like that. I had a really good time in high school, I have to say, and had a really great group of friends. And Where'd you go? Uh, Lemon Bay High School. I was going to guess Lemon Bay. Yeah. I was like, is that in Inglewood? Yeah. For some reason, that's what popped into my <laughs> man, head. The Lemon Bay Manta Rays. Yeah. yeah. I played golf for Fort Myers, and we'd play against Lemon Bay okay. in like the regionals or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, where'd you go to college? FGCU. Oh, yeah. You just said that. Yeah, I went, I went here. What'd you go to school for? Like, what was your major? Communications. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I ended up dropping out. That's what you out. do? You communicate? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but, you know, school, I think college ultimately was not for me. You um, ended up dropping out? I did. After how long? I think two years. Um, I ended up joining the service, joined the Air Force, um, and then uh, started Sugar Shack shortly after. But I was in a band at that time, too. I was doing a lot of different things, trying to f- figure out what I was doing with my life. What did you do in the Air Force? I was a munitions specialist, so I uh, built anything that blew up. I was assembling, um, you know, processing essentially grenades, bullets, bombs, missiles, anything that blew up or had some kind of explosive in it. So you were around dangerous devices, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, <laughs> no cell phones allowed. Where or, was that? 
Um, I was an Air Force reservist, so uh, I was stationed in Miami, in Homestead. Okay. Yep. So I would go there um, one weekend a month, two weeks a year, um, after my initial training, of course. Do you have any, any musical memories associated with your time with the Air Force? I do. They didn't make my list. Um, I definitely thought long and hard about that. But, um, you know, it was kind of in the similar uh, fashion of the starting line. I was definitely into the rock and the punk and the pop punk and stuff. So I wanted to get some dynamic in my dynamics in my three songs. Understood. So, yeah. It's but, all part of the, the, the calculus. Exactly. I wanted to tell the story. But, um, yeah, I, I listened to a lot of that heavier stuff in the military with, with all the guys and girls there. You, you said should, you, um, you should check um, Robin uh, Mayer's episode uh, of this Mar, show. Robin Mar, Mar, sorry, Mar. Childhood uh, friend of mine who wound up uh, as a Marine helicopter pilot. Oh, cool. Who wound up uh, flying Marine One, which is the helicopter that flies around the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His guy, he's got some stories. Oh, do you know what? Awesome. Actually, I'm thinking of Boots. Demarest. Oh, oh Boots Benner. But yeah, that he's a he's an Air Force general who who was a Top Gun or whatever. No, he was he was whatever the Air Force call. equivalent of Top Gun. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. I got to listen to that. You got to remind me of these names so I can check them out. I will totally. Yeah. Um, you said you started taking pictures and or shooting video when you got into college. Like, so what was your entry into that world? Yep. Which so, has opened up greatly, it appears. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, in high school, I was, um, you know, I was in like the skate, surf, wakeboard kind of crew. I was always in at the beach or on a boat. Um, it, it, Inglewood's a beach town, so. Uh, the water is very accessible. They have mana rays. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. I've seen one maybe. Um, so naturally, I, I came to FGCU with like three or four of my friends from high school. And uh, FGCU was much smaller back then in 05. Um, it was basically a, a, an extension of high school, I felt like. But um, so the wakeboard, this this school offered the wakeboard uh, waterfront and the boat and the whole deal. And um, – so I was naturally drawn to that. We were on the boat as much as we possibly could here, probably too much, to be honest with you. And, uh, and you know, with wakeboarding, you get hurt a lot. It's hard on your body. And um, so I started grabbing the camera on the boat. So there's always a camera on the boat of whatever. But I, w- I was like, let me hold the camera, and I'll start getting you some clips because a couple of my buddies were getting really, really good. And uh, one day I was holding the camera, and I, I was just rolling on my buddy Nick, who was – the best at the time of our crew. And, uh, I felt good about the shots I got. And it was kind of like my first like serious stab at filming something with an intention. And, uh, I, I had a windows computer at the time. And after that boat session, I said, Hey Nick, let me take this home. I think I have windows movie maker and I can see if I can put some clips together, string them together, see what I can do. And, um, I was always computer savvy too. And, uh, I, I made him a video and he ended up getting sponsored. So <laughs> him and I were just kind of this, pair after that you were his cameraman yeah and i didn't have to get hurt so much so i was like i, I kind of found my little spot on the boat and um and my offering to the team so i just started filming everything and we started making videos i have a whole vimeo channel from back in the day of us on the river and if that and was 2005 you probably would have been shooting on like 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 dv tapes, tapes. you know like the little mini tapes oh yeah yeah oh yeah it was cool i i, I and then you couldn't just up open it you had to like Oh, ingest man. it into the computer. Exactly. Yeah. You get to play it back and record the whole tape. And, and if the computer wasn't fast enough, yes. you drop frames. Exactly. And, and, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, problems you don't have anymore. Yeah. I watch those old videos and I can't believe I put so much time into editing these things and they still suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, I was learning. And I, again, I taught myself. And uh, so, yeah, that, I found my love for videography uh, on the boat and wakeboarding. And then from there, went to skateboarding and then I started kind of taking my chances with weddings and real estate and putting myself out there and um, just built it from there and just really just faking it till you make it, really. When did you step up from Windows Movie Maker into like um, Premiere or? I ended up, uh, I think it was when I joined the military. I got a little bit of stability in my life and a steady paycheck. I bought an iMac and uh, that's when it was just like, this is where I need to be. Hmm. Final cut from, from day one of that iMac, I had Final Cut, and uh, I think I was on a Canon 7D, so it was digital, and it was a lot. 7D? Yeah. I've got one of those. Nice. It's a good cam. It's a really it's good camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, well, let's do your second song. Let's do it. This is Leilani mm-hmm. Wolfgram. Correct. First time I tried to say it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, how'd you like to handle this one? 
Um, we can talk about it first. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. I uh, this is a this is a sugar shack session. So this is a live session from my back deck. And let's pause and tell the listeners we're going to get deeply into Sugar Shack okay, cool, after yeah. this song. But explain succinctly for our listeners what Sugar Shack is so they can imagine better what you're talking about. Okay. So in 2014, I started a YouTube channel called the Sugar Shack Music Channel. And um, our flagship content series on that channel is called Sugar Shack Sessions. And um, my, my current home and my house this whole time has always been coined the Sugar Shack. And it's a little Florida bungalow built in 1942 in, in Bonita Springs. And um, I started this channel and I uh, started inviting bands to my house on my back deck to do live acoustic sessions, kind of in the same style of back in the day as MTV Unplugged. And then more currently is maybe NPR Tiny Desk. And, um, you know, me and four guys, four of my buddies started this channel together, four camera operators, one audio um, engineer, and we started inviting bands to my house at the all of our friends and our homies and uh, locals, and then built it into the regionals, and then we eventually now it's ten years later now we're national international artists. Um, so um, this session in particular is uh, you know it's called change the world, and I like to say this one changed my world because this was the first time we really had a good collaboration. <coughs> We had a collaboration of um, three different artists at my house at one time, three completely different artists that really at the time you would never expect to collaborate. And, um, you know, the, the Lonnie Wolfgram, it was actually her session. And when artists come, they usually do five to seven songs. And it was her session that she was booked for with us. Um, but she had brought along Jacob Hemphill, was, who is the lead singer for Grammy award-winning band Soja. And then the band Fortunate Youth was actually at my house. It's been a while. I don't even remember why they're even there. Maybe they're all touring together or something like that. Um, but they're all three at the house at the same time. It was really wild. And it was the first time we had that that level of artists, but three of them at the house. And all of us were just blown away by this. And, you know, it before the YouTube channel, my house was kind of the meeting place for my band at the time. And then all of our friends that were in bands, all the local musicians, we'd always sit on that back deck and jam. So that's kind of where the original idea stemmed from is like, this is a really like little half circle space under the palms, kind of quaint and it looks cool and aesthetic. And so this was, you know, what me and my friends did for years now was like at these like national touring artist level. They're all, all these bands gathered here to do this. And, you know, it was a. It, I feel like they felt so good and so comfortable in the space that they decided to hop on a song with Leilani and even just write their lyrics on the spot. So we have this one-take song that is, I think, number two on the channel now at 8 million plays, I believe. And um, they wrote their lyrics. The lyrics are on the wall. I, they let me keep them. They're on the wall at the house. And it was just everything that Sugar Shack was like intended to be it all happened on this one song. Hmm. What year was that? I think it was 2017. <clears throat> 27. So we've been going for three years at the time. Do you remember you were shooting, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You were just. You remember yeah. just like feeling like holy crap. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. That was probably the most nervous I've ever been. Still, because like, <laughs> it was so new to us, and we yeah. had been building for three years, and then this happens. It's like this is everything we're we've been intending to do and to create and make happen here. And um, yeah, I remember seeing Jacob come down the driveway, and I was my mind was blown because I, his band, I had been going to see for many years, following his band, buying concert tickets to see. Now he's walking down my driveway to play on my little back deck. And, um, he asked me for a pen and paper and I was like, Oh, Jacob's singing. He's getting on a song. So, um, that was absolutely surreal. And now they've been back a few times since then, you know, cause once you break the ice with Sugar Shack, it's like, it becomes family. We'll get into that after this. Let's listen to this, though. It's uh, Leilani Wolf-Graham performing Change the World with... Featuring Jacob Hemphill. Um, and this was Sugar Shack Session in 2017. Yep. This is Eddie Cop's second song on Three Song Stories. This is Biography Through Music. Now, when you describe it to people listening who don't know what you do, mm-hmm. they're going to picture just some people sitting on your back porch with acoustic instruments. What they just heard sounds like a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so let's now get into the technology and the techniques that you guys use mm-hmm. to make videos that are amazing and audio that's amazing that the audience gets to hear 
right. amazingly in real time. Yeah, I mean, did I get it right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the production quality is something that we took very serious from day one. You know, we never charged bands to come see us, so we wanted to break that ice, prove ourselves, show us what we show them what we can do and what we're uh, capable of doing and creating together. And you know. And hopefully we can get an ROI there and maybe they can hire us to do their music videos or do their concert captures or what, or record their next album even. Um, so, so it's something that we've all taken very serious since day one. It's the quality of the camera work and uh, the quality of the audio. And, you know, we're in a back deck, so we're, un, we're under the trees or open air. Um, and it usually wouldn't sound that good. But Alex, our audio engineer, who's still with us um, since, since day one, he's recorded everything. And... Um, He's just a master of his craft. He really is. Our audience now calls him audio god, <laughs> Alex. He's been coined that. So uh, he's very good at what he does. Mm. And it, everyone that's there has a pair of wireless headphones. Correct. Yep. So what you just heard listening to this listener mm-hmm. would be what you would hear watching you know, them sitting there on a deck. Yeah. We, uh, that's a newer addition to the production. Maybe maybe. Two years now we've had Bluetooth headphones. Okay, so that hasn't been there all along. No, you see, it's a value added. Oh I should gosh, say. I know we had to build the <laughs> the brand and the channel like to a, a certain level to to get to that to have a brand that wants to collaborate with us and and give us some headphones for that. So yeah, I mean, that was one of the crucial steps to start bringing people in because you know before that it was just production crew, a band, and like our significant others and right. maybe a couple of local friends. Right. Um, but, you know, it's really built into something special and we try to bring as much of the community in that we can fit. Um, as you saw the other night, it's a small space on my driveway, but um, yeah, that, that quality is everything. That's what keeps us going. That's what pe- keeps people coming back. Five cameras, four cameras? Five cameras and a whole lot of microphones, yeah. And uh, quick breakdown on what those cameras are We use these days. Yep, we use all black magic. We're all on the same camera now. We started out on so or I'm sorry, we we started out on Canon, um, the 70s, the only camera I had, and then, you know the the guys that I had asked to start this with, they all had the camera themselves too. Um, so we started on Canon. We eventually progressed to Sony's, and now we're at Black Magic Cinema cameras. Hmm. So the quality is really, really good. Yeah, really good and very. Um, you know, we like that film look, you know, as much as we can. We use ProMist filters as kind of our secret touch. Not so secret really now. But um, <laughs> we use ProMist filters on each of our lenses to maybe like take the sharpness down a little mm-hmm. bit, make skin look a little better. Because we want, we want artists to be proud of, of what we've created. And we want them to be – we want them to – be proud to share it and mm-hmm. show the world this because it's, it's kind of a two-way street, right? We we make these videos together, but and they, they, they're they published on our channel only, but both parties got to share them and spread it out together. So we want them to be proud of that. We, so we want to make something really quality and that they can watch forever. It's got a um, definite visual style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that is intentional all the way from what you've just described. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've always been very intentional with how – things should look. And, um, you know, when I, when I started Sugar Shack, I was just came out of playing in a band, a very serious band for about five years. We were touring artists, touring band. And, um, so I was on the other side of the lenses for a very long time. And I, I feel that perspective coming into capturing a band, doing what they do on my back deck. I mean, that makes a world of a difference being a drummer and being in a band and being in that dynamic of sitting down and playing for cameras is, is very, it's not easy. Um, with that, that amount of pressure, that amount of pressure. Um, so, you know, me and a few of the guys on the team uh, come from band backgrounds. So I think that's really been a huge contributor to our success. And, you know, you, you, know, you go there, you show up, you, there's, you know, you walk in, they go, oh, these coolers over here, help yourself. Yep. And there's the guys there that were down from Tampa cooking food. Yep. So it's kind of <laughs> like a big backyard party. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Hospitality is, uh, you know, it is very, very high priority for us. Make sure everybody feels welcome. Make sure you you feel kind of part of the Sugar Shack family when you walk in. Uh, we orient you to the space with the coolers and the food and the bar and all of the old uh, outdoor couches that I have on my driveway. <laughs> and uh, and then even in, inside to my own home for the restrooms and, and then Audio World is inside. And, you know, it's, it's weird. There's like a weird... Uh, I don't know, almost choreography to a, to the house now. And the the way that old quirky house has been built is like so perfect for what we do. It's kind of odd. How does it work 
in a neighborhood. Yeah, I have the best neighbors ever, basically. Uh, one key thing is there's no speakers. There's no amplified sound. Like you said, everybody's in headphones. There's only one monitor on set, um, which is unheard of for any size band. We run one monitor. We stay strict with that. Um, so, you know, I think the loudest part of the night, session nights, are everybody clapping and hollering at the end of every song. And, you know, sometimes drummers get carried away. They can be a little loud, but... Um, we're always, we always try to stay as courteous as possible. Uh, we park everybody down the street on public parking and then, so we're not in anybody's yards. And then we try to wrap by nine at the latest with any kind of noise. Um, but my, my neighbors have been very, very, very understanding and, uh, I've made sure to stay very close friends with all of them. And, um, yeah, we just try not to be too obnoxious and, you know, I try to avoid Sunday night bookings and things like that. Did you, you did you always know you wanted to do um, like acoustic stripped down versions of the songs? Yeah. So, you know, when I was in a band, I was always seeking session opportunities for my band as we traveled. And, um, you know, as that kind of developed and us on the road more and more, there was never really a session opportunity in the state of Florida. And um, so there was definitely... Um, that opportunity there in the set live session scene. And then a, another layer of that is, you know, I wanted to create an opportunity to see a band in a way that you can't really buy a ticket to see. You know, these bands go play electric every night on the tour. Uh, you very rarely see acoustic tours or maybe it may be a little more common now. But I just wanted to create a, a, a unique version of all their music and challenge the artist. And, you know, we don't filter or tune or anything like that. It's when you listen to what, what you what you're watching on Sugar Shack, it's it's raw, it's real. It's exactly what our our slogan is. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think we've just stuck to our guns there and keep it as acoustic as possible. Uh, our own, our really, our only rule is no electric guitars allowed on set. That's really the only thing we stick to our guns on. You know, we do have we do flex with keyboards, and you know, we even get comments about you know, there's drums on set. It's not technically acoustic. I'm like, well, it's still an acoustic instrument. I don't know. <laughs> as long as the drums aren't those pads that go do do yeah. do do do. Well, some bands have used those too. That's what I'm saying. Our only rule is no electric guitars and no amps. Uh, when did you go? And I presume you're at least near this. Um, when did you go from looking for bands to having bands look for you? Yeah, I think um, change the world. That that song. Definitely put us on the map. Um, and I think that kind of like tipped the scales a little bit and brought a lot of eyeballs into the channel. Um, that specific session, and then we had a band called The Green from Hawaii come visit us real early too. They took a chance on us. And both of those artists definitely opened the doors to a lot. Um, you know, I at the beginning, I was just cold emailing every artist that's traveling through Florida. Um, we're right in the middle of Tampa, St. Pete, and Miami, Fort Lauderdale. There's only one way to get to each other. And the Sugar Shack is a perfect halfway mark. So I would- Right like, off the interstate. Yeah. I'm five <laughs> minutes off the interstate. And uh, that's, I literally draw a map and like, I know you're touring from here to here and we're right here. Um, so um, I lost my train of thought. What were, what were you talking asking? About, <laughs> talking about when bands started reaching oh, out to you. Yeah. So bands, I think the, I think, like I said, the change of the world definitely tipped the scales a little bit and brought a lot of eyeballs in for a lot of artists. And I think legitimized us, legitimized us a little bit. And, um, you know, now I, now we're fielding inquiries every single day, all day. And I'm just calling through artists and then sending, Hey, what do you guys think about this one? And we'll just try this guys. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know, that was what, three years in, four years in. So I think going from, you know, chasing artists to maybe 50, 50 was probably five, six years in. Cool. Yeah. And now it's, Oh man, it's crazy the inquiries we get now. It's it's a beautiful thing. Who's a dream get that you'd love to have that you know that hasn't reached out to you? I think number one comes to mind is Jack Johnson. Yeah, yeah. It's you know that acoustic format is so natural to him. It would mm -hmm. just make for such a beautiful session. Um, that's definitely a goal among the team. Mm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's. I would like to try some crazy stuff, some artists that you would never expect in a, mm -hmm. you know, in a acoustic format. Like I, I really want to get the band, the Florida band Day to Remember. They're a hardcore band, metal band, kind of in the vein of Starting Line, kind of that era. Uh, but they're still a band, still doing. They do acoustic stuff. I think it'd be cool to flex a little bit and get, like I said, get the bands out of their comfort zone and do something they don't usually do. One of the cool things that I heard um, one of the band members say the other night. What was the band called? Coyote Island. Coyote Island. Yep. Um, was, you know, ever since we were on your stage, mm -hmm. however long ago, we haven't been to a show where somebody didn't show up and say, I drove three hours because I saw you on Sugar Shack. Yeah. 
That's, that's awesome. That must feel really good. That's the best feeling in the world. It's it's unreal. Spreading art. Yeah, it's unreal, man. I, it's 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 really become a special thing, and you know, we wanted to create a platform for artists that really deserve that platform, right? And 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 make something special together that can live longer than us. And you're spending all your time and effort into putting up a grand new big one, right? Yeah, yeah. Sugar Shack Downtown's the next chapter. Yep, we're gonna do a a live music restaurant. I'm I'm very excited about it. It'll be a same model but different. Uh, it's actually like a brand new model, really. What's the model? So it's um a live music restaurant. So it'll be 275 seat restaurant, and then we haven't got the official number from the city as capacity yet, but based on the square footage, or maybe somewhere 500 to 1,000 people capacity for the live music venue. Um, but outdoors again or partially outdoor. outdoors and indoors? Uh, a th- it's a 22,000 square foot piece of property and a thousand of it is under air and I th- well the kitchen will be under air too but the public uh a thousand of it's under air so majority of it's outside courtyard field under air but still covered kind of like you have yeah we have pergolas everywhere outside yep um being currently built uh but yeah it's going to be a whole new model for us because this is going to be you know an electric venue it's going to be lights sound fog i want to get a bubble machine <laughs> and like uh so that's going to be a whole new you know piece of the pie for us when artists come to see us they can maybe do two nights with us we'll do a session at the shack um we partner with shangri-la springs which is a, a boutique hotel and resort right down the street so that our artists stay there now and then maybe the second night they can they can play our live venue and play a real show to a, a lot of people because at my house we can only fit 20 ticketed guests on top of the crew and and then uh Special invites, of course. <laughs> and, you know, it'll be a, a broader ask because you'll still have that back catalog of stuff that looks and sounds great. Right. But you'll be able to say, but you can, you know, hook up to a whole, whole PA and do the whole nine yards. Yeah, this will be the real deal and, uh, and an opportunity to, to pay artists for their time, too. This is, a, this is like a real gig for artists, right, that are on tour doing. So we can be part of tour schedules because right now the, the Sugar Shack Sessions is a secretive thing. It's a blind ticket. So we ask artists not to put it on their tour schedules. Um, so people showing up have no idea what the band's going to be. No idea. Even though they've paid for a ticket. Oh, yeah. Blind that's, tickets. It's a beautiful thing. And we have people flying from all over the world to, to experience this. We had a woman from the Middle East fly in on a blind ticket. <laughs> just, she had no idea what she's, who she's seeing or what's going on. And, you know, she's been watching for years. And she's like, I just took a chance. I was like, it was the best night of, of her life. <laughs> will you be recording, you know, will you be shooting the, the bigger venue shows in a similar way or is that going to stay just to the small sessions? Well, we'll always do the back deck sessions. I think that's the heart of the brand and, you know, that's the reason why this is even happening is what we've created on the back deck. So so there will be a level of production at the venue, no doubt. And we have that kind of stuff on our channel is, uh, you know, live concert films and um, you know, documentary stuff that involves live stuff, but we'll definitely be doing production there. I don't know if it'll be as frequent as the Sugar Shack, but we'll definitely be, be producing live albums, live films. Um, I don't know if it'll be every single show, but yeah, we'll definitely be producing some cool stuff. Well, I just, I've been a hermit for the, like the last 15 years. And if I had known you guys were there, I would have ventured further south than FGCU. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it really is cool. Um, okay, we're going to do your third song, but real quick. Um, what's your best concert experience of all time, like going to a concert? Have you been to anyone that really jumps out at you as your peak concert experience? Yeah. Um, which is funny because it involves the artists we're about to listen to. Um, well, that's how it works. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, that connection wasn't intended. Yeah, I like that. It was uh, Red Rocks <laughs> ah. um, with uh, the artist who's next is Nako and Medicine for the People. And then Trevor Hall was the supporting act and both of which are probably top three, top five artists of all time for me. And uh, we were brought in to film the show and we were working on a documentary. Oh, so you got to shoot at Red Rocks. I got the best experience. It was unreal. I will never forget it. Um, so to be, you know, with two of my favorite artists that I've been working towards working with, working with for a long, long time, many years, and to get that opportunity at like the best venue in the world was just, yeah, I'll never forget that. When you shoot a show like that at a venue like that, you don't have to worry about the audio side of things really in nope. the moment. You nope. just shoot, 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 and then somebody else puts all that together. Yeah. Or maybe you put it all together. No, yeah, usually me, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did that time, but yeah, that's a whole, the audio world is on their own. It's very... Much stress-free in that sense. <laughs> I just have a nerd question. Yeah. So, okay, t- two-part question. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you decide who gets to do the slate at the Sugar Shack session like John did the other night? Yeah, I always pick somebody in the crowd 
right at the last second, right before we start rolling. I always like to pick somebody that, you know, it was his 50th birthday. Um, I, I forget where he was from, but I just like to pick somebody that has good energy and uh, wants to be part of the team that night. I just, it's always just random. So second part of the two-part question. Um, that allows you to line up all the takes, yep. all, the, all the cameras. Exactly, and, yes. But when you're just wandering around on stage with a bunch of cameras and then you get into post, is there some better way to do it than just sliding it together until it lines up? You know what I mean? Well, I've done some syncing of audio and video. And if yeah. you don't have something to hang your hat on, it can be a real hassle. Oh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> the software these days will do it for you, though. Really? A lot. Yeah. See, I gave up doing it about five years ago. Yeah, they, you know, they've really got it dialed in now. I think uh, the multicam editing is on another level um so a lot of that work is is done for you i think when it comes into like slipping and sliding a little frame by frame and multiple takes is really like in the music video like a uh, produced music video world that's when you're like really like sliding and making sure it's right on and that's a lot more tedious but the live stuff like we're doing is very everything's every oh yeah you just dropped them into five yeah. tracks and then just doing a little tetris yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly yes tara what i enjoy about sugar shack so much i've been a fan for such a long time is when you do see the behind the scenes you guys are having so much fun oh, behind yeah. the scenes i'll see like the sliders of the cameras the camera operator it looks like they have um like a cup holder with a beer and it oh, yeah. attached to the camera you know it just it, it yeah. seems like a good time and it definitely comes through that you love what you do you love the music and it's all about that but it's honestly all too about having a good time and making great memories yeah i mean since day one we've always wanted to do what we love and create a make make a living doing it and uh you know that i think that company culture just has been from day one has been that let's have a good time doing this and you know the more the more comfortable we are the more comfortable the artist is going to be and sitting down and recording with us. So we definitely try to have the best time we can, and, and but maintain a professional environment. Um, so there's a good balance that we play there with a like a professional backyard party. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. <laughs> That's an accurate description. Um, well, let's do your third song. Does yeah, it relate do it. to the Red Rock shooting, or does it not? Not really. It, it's, this one, it's kind of funny how that lined up. It's the same artist, um, Nako and Medicine for the People. Um, but the third song, um, Skin in the Game, is a, a really special moment for um, me and Justin on the team. Um, Nako had brought us out for the, we, he wanted to create a documentary of making his new album. And for me and Justin and many of the guys on the team, Nako was very special to us. And we've all, you know, even before Sugar Shack, Nako was always a favorite artist. So we're going to his shows and um, always following his journey. And, and uh, you know, we had, cross paths with Nako at festivals and festivals even to this day is a great opportunity to shake hands with artists and you know you have what five six seven artists a day that you can just walk backstage and meet and introduce yourself and so over the years we got to cross paths with Nako a lot and we produced a few different videos on the channel live videos at, at concerts got to know each other a bit over the years and um, ended up gaining a little bit of his trust and, and he invited us to shoot a making of the album documentary in LA at the Villages at a, a really historic, a really legendary um, music studio, recording studio. And um, we were there, I think for eight days, seven or eight days, and they were tracking 12 songs or 11 songs or something like that. And it was down to the last day and they had one more song and it was skin in the game. And um, there's, you'll hear it on the track at the beginning of the track there's you can hear him lighting um his lighter and i believe it was like palo santo or sage or something like that and he's in the echo chamber the the recordings you had this big hollow room where you get really reverby vocals and that's where he started you'll hear him in the in the song light his palo santo and he'll be kind of singing acapella and you hear his footsteps walking out of the echo chamber into like a chair in front of a mic like this and then start beginning the song and I was the only other person in that room with my favorite artist of all time capturing this for the documentary. So what you hear on the album is literally what happened in real life. And I was the only camera capturing that. So in the documentary, I, in the editing uh, phase of that, I was able to kind of seamlessly bring in like what you hear on the album, but I brought visuals to it. And that's the only place they exist. So I got to sit, stand there and film Nako doing the last song where like the pressure of the whole week kind of led up to this this song. And it was kind of like this final climax of the week and he nailed the song in one take and that's what's on the record now and that's the closing scene of the documentary and it's just so surreal to like that that song will always be so special to me to 
think of just standing there next to him and capturing this one moment in time of my favorite artist. And, um, you know, from there, you know, we've, that he's become, like I've mentioned to a lot of artists, he's become family and he came to the sugar shack, I think last month for the first time. Um, so that was a really, really, really incredible moment for the team to finally have him in our space. Cause you know, we do all these, it takes years to, it took us 10 years to get him to my, sit down on my back deck. And, um, you know, we, that's the whole point of this whole thing. We just try to prove ourselves and uh, create content that artists can be proud of. And uh, I think that's what ultimately led to him sitting down on the deck. Let's listen to it. Let's do it. That's a great story. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, so you're you're somewhere in this song. I'm like at the very beginning. Yeah, well, but you know, even <laughs> like like AI in the future will be able to hear your breath. In it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I held my breath for three minutes. <laughs> uh, this is Eddie Cop's third and final song here on Three Song Stories. This is Skin in the Game by Nako and Medicine for the People from the album Take Your Power Back, released in 2020. Hmm. I got a little emotional listening to that. I uh, I realized that the documentary version of that song has a little more than the album version of that song. So that at the beginning, you can hear him lighting the sage and starting to sing a cappella, then it cuts right into the guitar. But in the documentary, I have all that in between of him walking out of the echo chamber and sitting down in a chair. And it's, and I like, I, it's been a while since I edited that, but I seamlessly made all that. So it kind of, it almost gives the song more than what you get on the album, which is really cool. I have to go watch it. It's actually not out. It's one of the most proudest pieces I've ever made. I got a friend named Eddie who might be able to hook me up with a bootleg. <laughs> I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. It's a beautiful piece, and it may be dropping this year. Actually. Yeah. 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 So that's a very, very special time. That was uh, – that one hit the hardest. Felt felt good. Um, that line in it, the art of having skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the lyrics to that song seem like maybe they might resonate with you as well as the moment it brings you back to. Yeah, I it agree. It does for me. Yeah, I think it does. Um, I've I've always been someone that, I don't know, lyrics haven't really ever been what I listen to in music. Right. Always, You're a drummer. I'm a drummer. <laughs> and it's the feel and the emotion of the song that I've always listened to. And um, Nako has a special way with lyrics that he's changed that for me when I listen to his music. Um, and that song is wholeheartedly that, that's for sure. He, uh, you said he was at Sugar Shack last month? Yep. So when will his videos come out? You said the other night, what, you got about a two-month production right. tail? Yeah, I just got updated on mixes today, so actually, so I should be getting edits done probably early next week, and then probably within a, probably within the next two or three weeks, we'll see the first one go. Are you doing the editing? Who's, I am. Who, you're the primary editor? You're, yeah. the, you're the editor? Yep. So I, I what, are you, what are you working on these days? Oh, let's see. Today I was working on some PG. Oh, I meant like hardware. <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh. Like you got a really badass system these yeah. days? Keep keep things moving? Yeah, I got the latest um, MacBook Pro. Yeah. The topped out, maxed one. It, it is the most beast computer I've ever had in my life. It's amazing. Keeps up with anything you throw at it. And you guys release a video five days a week? Five nights a week, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every day, Monday through Friday. And you also put the audio versions out elsewhere as well? Correct, yeah. So every artist does you know, five to seven songs. We'll put out each song individually as a session, a video session. Then once all those are out, we'll put them all out together as a full set. And then once that full set is out, we'll put all that audio out on streaming platforms. And I w- saw on your website you're a record label now too. We are, yeah. That was the last thing I saw before you got here. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. What's that all about? Sugar Shack Records, right now it's solely distribution for the for the music. Okay, that it's, it's what's distributing this, but you could see it being more? Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, for me, like my retirement plan, I feel like it's, I want to manage bands and uh, I'll, I'll work towards that. Um, and that will hopefully be under that label that we have, what, 20 years of music industry relationships with by that time. And so, yeah, I think, it you know, in the future it will grow. But right now it's just distribution. Um, all right. You ready for a speed round? Let's go. Do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life you'd be willing to share? I don't know. Fast Eddie. <laughs> Fast Eddie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of kind of cliche, but I've always just been uh, – maybe the military gave me that one, but I've always – thrived and make sure that I'm always efficient in what everything I do, fast and efficient. So, Do you do karaoke fast, Eddie? 
Hell no. I hate karaoke. <laughs> Are you a singer? Nope. Is that why you hate karaoke? I just don't like karaoke at all. Even at the at the new restaurant, I'm like, we're not doing karaoke. We can't do so karaoke. You, don't even like, you just don't like to be around it. Oh, man, it's so cringy. Yeah, I don't know. It's not my thing. If you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter to? Oh, man, we got Nako. Ref- I've been asked this this question before. And uh, Nako has a song, uh, The Wolves Have Returned, and has the most legendary intro. It's like super epic, and that would be my song. So Nako again, I suppose. What would your wrestler name be? And it can't be Fast, Fast Eddie. My wrestler name would be Big Lion. Big Lion. Oh, yeah. Tara's giving you the, the Richard Nixon. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know what that was about, but I was just really excited about That's one of the more, I think, interesting names that we've heard. <laughs> so since I'm the wrestling fan, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. If you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times? Ooh. Um, whoa, what a question. What have I listened to the most? My whole life or lately? Your whole life. If you had magic data on minutes consumed. Oh, my Lanta. It'd probably be Take It Easy by the Eagles. My Lanta. I like that. (laughs) Come from your mom? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What activities or pursuits make you lose track of time the most? Uh, Playing drums. Absolutely. 100% playing drums um, and any kind of exercise, working out, anything kind of physical where I can turn my brain off and just put on some music and disconnect. Song you wish you could hear again for the first time ever. Ooh. Um, damn. I don't know. That's a tough one. Song I wish I could hear for the first time. Probably. Mm, probably like Back to my childhood is probably The Joker by Steve Miller or something. I feel like mm. that was a big song of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the one of the first ones I felt like I remembered the words. Yeah, all those little <laughs> touches. I feel like I one of the first songs as a kid I remembered the words to, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sing along. Um, any songs you'll avoid listening to? No. Genres? I, no, definitely not. I love all music. If you could broadcast a song into the head of all humans in a big collective moment, what song would it be? Ooh. The song we're listening to today, number two, Change the World, <laughs> Sugar Shack Session. I was going to say, and I was going to say, you're allowed to make this into a marketing opportunity <laughs> as well. Well, I mean, the message of that song is great. Um, best album of all time, in your opinion? Best album of all time. Mm. Maybe, let's see. That's a, You got some tough ones. Let's see. Best album of all time. Let's revise it to album. If you could only have one album, which one would you want to have? If you could, if you just could, you know, we're going to shoot you into space with one CD. I think, um, oh man, I feel like those early days of the starting, like my first song, that, that era of my life and that chapter, I think some of those albums were so influential on my life. I think like something like brand new, their album, uh, what's it called? I forget what it's called. It's their first album, but. I feel like I've never listened to an album more than that one back in the day. <laughs> your favorite weapon, I think, is what it's called. What would your 14-year-old self, who around then was when you were mesmerized by that song that got you to play the drums, what would what would that 14-year-old self think of who you are today and what you've done since? Oh, man. I feel like I'd blow my own mind with that. I mean, to see where learning drums has taken me because learning drums, I started a band and then just got into this you know, Florida circuit of music and then building a live music channel from that and all those relationships and, and then leading into here today, it's just, it blows my mind sometimes when I think about it, that journey and just learning drums and taking that leap and leap of faith into learning drums for church and, and the John, the guy that led that band and all the little steps along the way. And it was all music and trying trying college and joining the military and trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do in my life. And um, the whole time it was music. 14-year-old you would be stoked you were living in a little 80-year-old oh, yeah. shack in Benita filming <laughs> musicians that you've been watching on YouTube for yeah. years. My favorite bands come to me and hang out on my at my house. <laughs> um, okay, it is time for you to recommend three people that okay. you'll share this with that yes. you think that we have a chance of getting on. Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, my boy Bryce Ivey. He's on the Sugar Shack team. He's our podcast host. Um, he's brought such a special energy to our team since starting to work with us and 
Um, he's got a hell of a life story, and um, I think he'd be great on the show. Dibs. Yeah, Richard's going to host that one. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, second. He called it. He called Shotgun on Bryce. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Bryce is going to make <laughs> for a great episode. Second, I would say uh, Jesse Lee. She's a local business owner, local entrepreneur. She runs a company called Statement Piece. Um, I don't know. I, I, she inspires me a lot. I, I met her more recently, probably within the last two years. And um, I don't know. I just love her energy and her, her philosophy on life and um, just the way she even handles her business. She's just such a boss and she inspires me every time I'm around her. And um, I feel like her and I are kind of um, a, a lot alike in a, way, in a lot of ways. Um, so I think she would make for a really cool show. And I don't really know her music preferences whatsoever. So I'd be very curious to hear how this would unfold. Okay. Dibs on that then. Nice. Oh, yeah. Shotgun. <laughs> uh, I don't know if shotgun really applies here, but I, <laughs> it does. It always does. Uh, okay. Number three. And then lastly, um, I would say my good friend, Caleb McPherson, he was um, another local entrepreneur. Um, I try to surround myself with other business owners and small business owners. And um, uh, he's another individual in my life that inspires me and has inspired me over the years. Um, he also has a crazy life story and uh, he's in the coffee industry. And uh, he's opened my eyes to good coffee and made hmm. me a coffee snob since. But um, I no, love that. it's a road you can't come back from. Oh, 100%. That's why um, I never went down it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, I know he's got a big uh, mix of uh, music in his life, and I would love to hear where his episode would go to. Cool. Yeah. Well, you did it. You got any final thoughts? Thanks for having me. This is really cool. I really love what you guys are doing. Um, and I, I, I want to collaborate more with y'all from the Sugar Shack, you know, world into three song stories i want to start sharing artists absolutely we got to start making some magic together we have a mutual appreciation society yeah exactly (laughs) and if you're listening jack johnson that's right get on the porch get over here jack we're ready for you the porch and the studio exactly (laughs) we make three song stories in the studios of wgcu public radio on the campus of florida gulf coast university in fort myers florida richard chenqui is co-creator and producer tara calligan is host and online content producer our production assistant is jared the intern gonzalez Christophus is executive producer, and our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. This week's parting tune comes from Eddie's band Sprout. This is Quick Wicked. I've been changed so suddenly. It's the best to me, but I still dig it. Sound of the good times, they are where such good times give enough. We call out the bad time, one too many bad times we've had enough. You know you caught me off my guard, I've been trying to keep up, but you are quick wicked. Talking to me, Ash, you chose to let go, I gotta live with it. Love can be so hard. The type of personality I choose to when I lose to sleep Oh, 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 oh Life could change so suddenly I fell above all the trees and then so low All we needed was some room to breathe We never found the meaning We let them go, go, go Love comes and it goes Felt the rain, felt the snow Felt the sun and I felt alive And it all becomes so evident How everything in life comes to an end You're never coming home, that's happening hey, now We're better off You caught me off my guard I've been trying to keep up But you are quick, wicked Talking to me, Ash You chose to let go I gotta live with it Love can be so hard the type of personality I choose to run, I lose to sleep. Oh, oh, oh.